Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Hey, good Tuesday morning, everybody. Welcome to the VolQuest podcast. I am Eric Kane with Brent Hubs, Rob Lewis, Austin Price will be along here in just a moment. As always, big thank you, big shout out to our presenting sponsors, Exterior Home Solutions. If you need roofing, siding, windows, a garage, contact Exterior Home Solutions today. They've been local and trusted since 1999. That phone number for a free estimate is 865-524-5888. You can visit them online at exteriorhomesolutions.com. Thanks for watching us here on the VolQuest YouTube channel. And of course, checking us out wherever you get your podcasts. Got a lot to get into today. It's homecoming week. Tennessee will take on UConn this weekend. Uh, but this comes after Tennessee, a 33-27 win on the road at Kentucky, 6-2 on the season, 3-2 in Southeastern Conference play, only the second time, six wins entering the month of November since Philip Former was head coach here at Tennessee. The, the first time was last year. So uh, Rob Lewis, uh, a lot to, to be proud of if you're Tennessee, maybe not defensively in the secondary, but offensively, your quarterback played good, you ran the football with purpose, and you won a game on the road. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a lot to like about Tennessee's effort. I mean, it wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But, man, I mean, I thought it was really gutty. I thought it was gritty. I mean, I thought when they when they had to, you know, make a play or when they had to have a big series, you know, offensively or defensively, I mean, they came up with it. I mean, you know, they they put Kentucky on their heels, you know, by scoring on the opening drive and, and pretty much kept them there all game. Hubbard, you'll know this. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was, did Kentucky only have the ball one time with a chance to take the lead? There after Tennessee punted to start the third quarter, and it was 33-27. They missed the field goal with a chance to take the lead, which would have been early in the fourth quarter. Yeah, you're right about that one. Two opportunities there. So, But but Tennessee, you know, they forced a a super long field goal, I guess is my, you know, my point on that one. And then, you know, when it was 33-27, the defense is on the field after Tennessee, you know, can't get anything going to start the third quarter. They get their only sack of the night on that possession. They make it a, a third and 20-plus and, you know, get off the field there. In the fourth quarter, just speaks for itself. Tennessee had to have a touchdown. They got it. They they kept – you know, Kentucky drove into the red zone. Tennessee forced a field goal. And then, you know, the offense did what they had to do to, to keep the ball for, for the end of the game. Again, not, not pretty, but, man, I mean, I, I just thought they did what they had to do all night long. Yeah, I mean yeah, – uh, I was just going to say, Brent, you talked about on the Rocky Top Rewind a couple of days ago. Uh, you know, it's a road win. It's never pretty up there in Lexington for, for such a short trip. It's always kind of a a bizarre type game, but you won on the road. And I think the most important thing, too, is you know, we've seen good Joe at points of times this year, but the run game needed to be there. And Tennessee obviously had a great running effort, 253 yards. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway from me for, from this game is the way they closed the game out. Um now, this has been a fast starting team since Josh Heupel's been here. Uh, in particular, on the road, they've been a fast starting team. Um, in road venues in the SEC, uh, they've scored in chunks and things. But but when they had to Saturday night 
to, to, to answer the bell, as Rob mentioned, after the field goal and, and Kentucky closed it to down to a one-score game. Tennessee goes back and answers it with Dylan Sampson on the ground, the plays they made, Joe Milton with his legs, and then to run out the clock the last four and a half, five minutes of that football game. Um, I, I think that was my biggest takeaway. It's a night where you didn't have your best stuff defensively. Uh, the quarterback played for Kentucky, Devin Leary, played far beyond anything you thought he would be able to do going into that game. That includes the Tennessee coaching staff. I don't think they had – if you'd have told them going in, Devin Leary was going to throw it, what, 35, 38 times, whatever the number ended up being. 20, 29 for 38. Yeah, I think Tennessee would have said, hey, 38 attempts, that's a good win for us. We're, we're in great shape in that football game because I, I think they would have been totally comfortable with that because that meant Kentucky didn't run it. The, the problem was I don't think Tennessee thought they'd give up 29 completions. Uh, but So it wasn't your best defensively. You made a couple plays when you had to defensively to, to – stop a you know from losing the league and then your offense answered the bell at the end I I to me the fourth quarter is what stands out to me about this football game it was a really good finish for Tennessee of course you know that long sustaining drive and of course making the stop defensively when you needed to and um you know you know forcing a three instead of a, a touchdown and getting the football out and you know kind of getting the football back and, and running out the clock Rob when you look at Kentucky again if Tennessee wanted to make Kentucky one-dimensional, wanted to take Ray Davis out of the game. He had a touchdown, but, you know, the uh, second-leading rusher in the SEC and the touchdown leader in the SEC with 13 going into the game finished the game with 42 yards on the ground. So Tennessee did that. Tennessee made Kentucky one-dimensional. It's just that other dimension was really good for Devin Leary, as we've already mentioned. There were some three-step drops. There was some play action and stuff in there, but overall, not a whole lot of pressure on the quarterback, and the back end was slow getting over there to cover some of those guys. Yeah, I wonder, you know, Tennessee coaches aren't going to give you a straight answer to this, but I, I just wonder how much of Leary's big night was a, a result of schematically Tennessee just really selling out to, to stop Davis and and to take that away. I and mean, I, I have to feel like that was some of it. I don't think that excuses, you know, the way he sliced them up. You know, a guy that had been completing 54% of his pass, passes on, on the year coming in. But uh, it, I, they they really sold out to stop Davis. And, and, and as you mentioned, did a great job. He had C, he averaged, you know, just a little over three yards of carry. He was averaging or less than three yards a carry, excuse me, and it was averaging 115 yards a game um, coming in. So, you know, I, I have to think that was the plan and and a big reason that Leary was, Leary was so efficient. And also, you know, uh, you can't discount the fact that Tennessee's playing without Kamal Haddon in, in the back end, you know, their best cover corner. That I have to feel like that made an impact. But, um, you know, I was a little baffled by the pass rush because it's not like Tennessee has been – you know, consistently sending, you know, extra guys all the time to get heat and, um, you know, just just didn't get home very, very often with four. I mean, Omar Norman Lott had, had the one big sack. Uh, they had a couple of hurries, but, man, Leary, Leary got comfortable. Yeah, he did. And, and they just, I mean, give Kentucky's offensive line credit. And I know Josh Heupel was frustrated after the game with, with some the lack of holding penalties. There were some holds, uh, you know, there are holds on every play in college football. Um, now the the one to James Pierce on James Pierce where they tackled him was out in the open. You you got to throw the flag there, in my opinion. But the inside stuff, I mean, that happens all the time. Tennessee's just going to have to find a way, you know, to, to you know continue to get home. And their next challenge, is obviously, you got UConn this week to get back on on the on the horse, so to speak. And then you go take on Missouri. And I mean, teams are going to grab, tug, and pull. Tennessee's got to got to win some of those battles because. You're not going to get a ton of calls. You're not seeing holding called in college football a ton, um, unless it's just blatantly obvious. Now they missed some blatant obvious calls. I know that. I'm not suggesting that they haven't, 
but you're just not going to get four or five holding calls a game, no matter how good of a pass rushing team you are. Tennessee's got to find a way to fight through some of that stuff. A good team finds uh, ways to win. You go back to the Texas A&M game, Tennessee ran the ball so efficiently. Tennessee played great defense. Special teams got a score. You just couldn't throw the football, but you found a way to win that game. Um, you, you know, you were, you were pretty suspect through the air defensively in this one, really good against the run. And the offense got back to running the football. Again, we mentioned Dylan Sampson in that fourth quarter, Jalen Wright, Jabari Small. But, man, Joe Milton was really good. Joe Milton was um, his best in a Tennessee uniform. He missed, fired on only three passes, 18 to 21. He was 200 and, what, 28 yards. He had a touchdown to a wide-open Chaz Nimrod down the sideline. But make no mistake about it, Chaz Nimrod beat the corner off the line of scrimmage. The corner was playing catch-up, and he tripped. Um, but but he won that battle off the line of scrimmage. Josh Heupel, very complimentary of his quarterback, Joe Milton, in Monday's press conference. Give this a listen, Josh Heupel, from yesterday. Good growth. Um, there's been a lot of moving parts in front of him. There's been a lot of moving parts out on the perimeter. Just continued growth <coughs> Excuse me, throughout the season, getting comfortable being in, in, uh, in sync with those guys. Um, the fine details of it, you know, Saturday night, we created explosive plays on scramble drills. We hadn't done that in a long time uh, and, and maybe since I, we've gotten here um, at that level. And, you know, wide receivers breaking off the routes, um, doing the right th thing when uh, Joe breaks contain. Um, Joe was, you know, uber efficient, great with his eyes, uh, good fundamentally and, and extremely accurate with the football. It was, it was a really good performance by him. Well, I just think, you know, fundamentally he's gotten better uh, over his time here. Um, and, uh, you know, everybody being in sync and, and breaking off gives him the ability to make some of those plays. Um, but being a guy that is more comfortable when he breaks contain of not just being a run first guy, but keeping his eyes down the football field allows those, those things to happen too. Um, you know, being able to get in a good fundamental position when he had time to. When you're on the run, there's going to be times where you're not, too. And, and so those awkward throws, uh, he's continued to improve upon. All those questions were from us in the press conference, and um, he was kind of answering mine more of Joe out of the pocket because he made some really good throws out of the pocket. But I think the last couple of weeks, running him, design runs, scrambling, is kind of carried over to where when you're flushed out of the pocket, man, he was keeping his eyes downfield, and he was making some plays. That play to Dante Thornton was really good. Shoulder square, throwing across his body on a line, 48-yard gain. Joe Milton was good, and Tennessee can win some games with Joe Milton playing playing like he did at parts and times against Alabama and, and you know the entire time against Kentucky. I mean, I thought he was really good. Those two throws you referenced, and the, the one to Thornton in, in the third quarter, and he had one on the uh, final drive of the first half to squirrel for um, – that was a 25-yard gain that set up that field goal. The um, the 47-yard gain to Thornton set up point. I mean, both, both those throws set up points. I mean, in a game, you know, Tennessee won by six. And um, those are, those are just plays that that he hasn't made, and you know it's 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 frustrating for you know for fans because you look. I mean, he's physically he's the total package. I mean, you would think that you know he was he was built, to, you know, to to do that to get outside the pocket to you know to throw a ball, you know, when he's off balance thirty yards on a rope. But you know we haven't seen that, and so you know I, I thought that was really encouraging uh, on, on Saturday night for him to make those kind of plays out of structure. Yeah, the other, the other thing, too, that stood out to me, and Glenn Ellerby addressed this at the quarterback club on Monday, is they intentionally went back to tempo uh, in the Kentucky game. Um, Glenn Ellerby said that that's something that they just kind of talked about in the practice on the practice field, and we need to get back to our identity a little bit, um, probably trying to stop being so perfect with every call every time. 
but getting back and playing fast and going. And I thought it got him in rhythm. And Austin, I thought Kentucky was out of gas in the fourth quarter. I'm not taking anything away from Dylan Sampson, but but I thought Tennessee wore Kentucky down because I thought their tempo really for the first time this year had a true effect on an, on a team for 60 minutes. They had spurts, you know, that Virginia opening drive, you know, they gashed him really fast. There were a couple of times, you know, the opening drive against Florida, they went fast, but they, they, I thought for 60 minutes, this was the first time that their tempo really affected a defense for an entire game. Yeah, I mean, and Tennessee's depth, especially at running back, paid huge dividends with a, a gassed Kentucky defense. Um, you know, I, I thought, you know, Dylan Sampson uh, was extremely tough to tackle there in the fourth quarter. Um, Kentucky was doing a lot of arm tackling. He was able to run through a few, especially on that, uh, that 12-yard touchdown run. And, I mean, again, I, I think that, you know, the depth – at certain spots is a huge advantage for Tennessee. Um, now they're not real deep at other spots, and so you would say they're thin. But um, I, I thought, you know, as long as Tennessee can continue to play at that pace, I think that'll help them. You know, obviously, you know, two weeks and then, you know, um, against Georgia at home. I, again, I'm hopping in here late, so I don't know exactly what you've all talked about. I will say this: I continue to think that the way they've used Joe using him as a runner, I think that's been allowed him to be able to get into the flow of the game a little bit more, um, you know, and, and maybe that's why he's been a little more accurate when he's been able to move around. I mean, I, those two throws, and Rob referenced it, so did Eric. I mean, those two throws he made Saturday um, were great throws on the run. And Dante Thornton, two of his best catches of the year, the seam vert uh, against Florida was, you know, I mean, was a great catch because that thing was humming when he reached up and snagged. And then that one as well Saturday. On the move, the defender was right there in pretty good position, kind of flashed in front of, you know, the ball. And, you know, he's able to make that catch, which is just mind-boggling because, I mean, you know, he's got some really horrendous drops. But, you know, he's caught two extremely tough balls to catch. Um, you know, but this offense, uh, you know, the tempo, I think you, you got to be who you are. And that's what they profess to be. And, and for whatever reason, they have really slowed it down. It's been a lot of check with me and looking over it, you know, um, you know, um, the, the, the chipmunks over there on the sidelines, you know, and, and I mean, it's, it's been, it, you know, I think going fast is good for them, Brent. By the way, I, I saw uh, something on social media, somebody dressed up as Josh Heupel. There was an official in the behind, it was, it was a picture behind them were three women and one was in, you know, green, red, orange or whatever. And they were doing the hand signals with the, with the black backdrops behind them. It was a great Halloween little setup right there. I thought that was funny. Um, but, but Brent, again, the, the tempo, too, that Austin's referencing, it's because you have a run game. I mean, you have a run game that's getting you setting you up in second and short and you know, winning first downs, getting that first, first down. Jalen Wright was incredible in the first series of the game. He ran hard the entire time until you know Samson kind of took over there in the fourth quarter. Tennessee's run game is a big part of that, I feel like. And, and when Tennessee's back in that tempo, it's back to being who it is. Well, I mean, they've run the football well all year long, even in a slower tempo. But but I think it just wears the defense down uh, when, when you go fast. And I think that's where Tennessee is most comfortable. I think this offensive line, I think Cooper Mays is most comfortable getting it and going. Right. Uh, I, I, I just think that they play. It's a little less thought, just kind of go play, a little more instinctive. Um, and I think it paid dividends against Kentucky. Will it be that way the rest of the year? I don't know. We'll see. But I do think it paid off for Tennessee against Kentucky because they wore them down. And, and Rob, I, I think to start the game, everybody talks about the Jalen Wright run. It was a terrific run. It was blocked well. 
to me, the biggest play to start the game was Joe Milton running over the safety for the first down on third and short. And, and, and I say that because, you know, Joe understand on that play, he understood who he was and where he is. He didn't try to dig leg somebody and bounce it outside and maybe take a chance on being short. He just turned and dropped into the guy and used his power to make sure he had the first down. And, and I thought that got Tennessee off and going. I thought it got Joe off and going as well. I, I think when you star big plays in a game, that one may not show up in the stat sheet, but I thought that was a huge play to start the game for Tennessee, Rob. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, the, the very next play is Wright's touchdown, right? I mean, so, I mean, that convert that third down, you know, it doesn't happen. But, I mean, I get what you're saying. It sent a message. And, you know, you can't be reckless about that if you're Joe Milton. But, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're out in the open field, it's you and a 180-pound defensive back, lower, you know, <laughs> lower the He boom. did that, sort of cut you off. He did that first series at Alabama. It was yep. third and – it was third and seven and nothing was there. And he scrambled for nine yards and he ran over the guy at the sticks. And I thought that was just such a great way to start that football game. So kind of a similar situation. Again, I'll continue to say he did the opposite in the A&M game. So that, that Rob, that's just, that's good to see. Yeah. And you just, I know we, we talked about it. You have to wonder how healthy he was early in the year. I mean, he just, the running style is just so dramatically different. Eric, you referenced the, the, the one in Alabama. I mean, he had a couple with Alabama. He had one in the second half that was, you know, maybe even even more violent. Um, and, and again, you don't want to be reckless with it, but just the, as physical as he's been the last two weeks, it makes me really wonder, you know, was he capable of, of being that same kind of runner at Florida, you know, or at that point in time in the earlier in the year? AP and I talked about this on the two-minute drill yesterday, um, Brent, but you got UConn this weekend. You're never going to, you know, disrespect an opponent by talking about wanting to get some young guys, but – you missed your opportunity against uh, Austin P. You missed your opportunity against UTSA. Sure, there were young guys that played in that game, and I'm talking like a half. I mean, you need some significant reps for some of those guys. I think that should be a lesson saying, hey, get in, get out, stay healthy. Of course, you can't forecast that. But allow some of these young guys, not just Nico. Of course, you want to see Nico. But, you know, the Jordan Matthews, the Ricky Gibson, if he comes back healthy, the Cam Seldons, all those guys, to get a whole lot of run in this football game because this might be your last opportunity. Well, I would like to see, you know, even early, even before the half, not just the second half, if you do what you're supposed to do. Now, that Austin P game was 3-3 at the end of the first quarter. So, Austin, you didn't give yourself a chance to really to play a lot of guys. But, you know, maybe you get maybe you get a couple of those young guys in there with some veterans, and you don't just wait and play those guys. You know, I know they're going to do the whole – even if it's a – 30-point game. They're going to put all the starters back out to start the second half because we got to understand how to come out of the locker room the right way to start the second half or whatever that is. But but my point is that's something Brian Jean-Marie's done a really good job of this year at linebacker is he's played a young linebacker with Aaron Beasley or he's played a young backer with Elijah Herring at times. Um, you know, I think playing Dalvin Hobbs in critical situations – alongside some veteran guys. I mean, you watch on the tape, and, and Omari Thomas is helping Hobbs get situated basically every play, but that's okay. That's how you intertwine guys in there. I would like to see him do that. I mean, I would love to see Cam Seldon with a carry in the first half, you know, with, with the number one offensive line. Slide Addison Nichols in for a series at guard and see what he does. Don't just wait till you're making 11 wholesale changes and mop up duty in the fourth quarter with some of these guys would, would be what I would like to see if the game went the right way, Austin. Yeah. I, again, I think that, and, and some of the coaches are probably a little more, uh, 
bold to do those things than others. But I, I'm with you, Hubbard. I mean, like Ethan Davis. Like this is a game where you get Ethan Davis, you know, some real run alongside, you know, some real players. I'm with you on Addison Nichols. See what you have there. See what you have out of Vice and Lang. You know, see what, how he handles it trying to run tempo out there in a the game. Um, and, and, and with, with some actual people around him. And honestly, I'd like to see him have, you know, you don't want to keep like your starter starters out there, but you also don't want it just to be a bunch of third stringers when Nico goes in either. I, I think you'd like to see what Nico can do with some actual quality people around him. Um, you know, but I'm with you. I think Cam Seldon getting a uh, carry in the first half. You know, I mean, Tennessee doesn't need to get anybody uh, banged up. Jalen Wright didn't play the fourth quarter with a little bit of a, a lower leg deal, it's nothing. He'll be good for the stretch run. But like the other night, Dylan Sampson's able to close it out because you are deep enough to do that. Um, you know, this is something I think that Hubs hits the nail on the head. Again, I think some of these coaches, you'll absolutely see it. And I think some of them, old habits die hard. Well, and I think what's interesting, Rob, is it's different. And coaches have to adjust to, to things a little bit. Just like just like the older coaches are having to adjust to the transfer portal and, and NIL, you also have to adjust to the significance of, of playing these guys at this point in time in the season, because you got to figure out what you have, but because it's all about roster management. It's not just about getting 25 new guys in, in your signing class. It's about, Hey, do we need, do we need, a different position in the transfer portal that we didn't think we were going to need a month ago, or maybe we don't need somebody in the transfer portal to that position because of what we have. The, I think coaches have to view it from that standpoint, as much as they are just getting young guys experience. It's a little bit about who's vital that we get them back, who it's okay if they don't come back and what position do we have to go get or don't have to go get in the portal. Sometimes you got to answer those questions in game situations with some of these young guys. I, I think this game in November is taking on a different level of importance from that standpoint, as opposed to just getting some young guys reps. I mean, I think I think that's a really good point, Aubrey, and not and not just this game, but also your you know Austin P type games, UTSA games. I think in the in the climate that the portal has created, you know, the players now have been empowered. Where in the past, I mean, that that didn't cross a, a coach's mind. I mean. Uh, we'll wait to spring practice and, you know, find out then where, you know, now spring practice might be too late, not it, because the kid himself has already made a decision, you know, maybe because, you know, what, what's he, I can't get in the game against UConn when we're up 38, nothing in the third quarter. You know what? I'm not going to wait for spring practice to see where I am in the pecking order. Perfect example of that are some of those young wide receivers. I mean, like had, you know, Brew McCoy not went down, you know, and, and Dante Thornton not had a slow start to the year. How much, are Chaz Nimrod and Caleb Webb playing? Now, you don't worry about that now because they've, they're, you know, Nimrod got a touchdown, Webb's got a touchdown, everybody's, you know, feeling pretty good about, you know, you know redshirt freshman wide receivers. Whereas, you know, had they not played, you'd, you'd, you'd be asking those same questions about them. Like, you know, what are the, where are they at mentally, you know, if they've not played in these type of games? Like, I, I'm with you. I think it's important to get Addison Nichols in. Hubs, Hubs hit the nail on that. See where you are on some of these younger linemen because – Right now, you're trying to figure out what they offer and what they don't offer, and I think that that will be pivotal. And and same thing, you know, with you know anybody, uh, you know, in, in the secondary, you've got to see where you're at with some of these guys, like playing Warren Burrell, who right now, you know, played a little bit last weekend, but had not played the two previous games since or before that. Um, you know, I just don't think that that helps you. You need to figure out what you have going forward, and and honestly, just kind of keep people happy because that stuff matters. 
end of the day, you got to come out. You got to score a couple early. You have to take control of the game that will allow you to do some of that stuff. Because again, in some of those games, you weren't afforded the opportunity to do that because you hadn't taken care of business. Uh, you know, UTSA and, and a Austin P let those games serve as reminders. Cause again, you might get the opportunity against Vanderbilt, but this might be your last, your last chance to, to see some of those young guys. Uh, we'll continue to talk football all week long. Tennessee's homecoming week. It's with UConn Saturday at noon Eastern. Got the six day forecast, six day uh, option pick there for Missouri the following week. So we don't quite know exactly what time that's going to be, but you got that game. Then, of course, Georgia and then Vanderbilt to finish out the regular season. Um, exhibition basketball took place this past week. Tennessee, an exciting exhibition win over Michigan State. We'll get Rob Lewis's thoughts on that here in a moment when we continue on with the Ball Quest podcast. Your roof, it's the most important protection against nature for your home or your business. That's why I trust the experts at Exterior Home Solutions. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. As always, a big thank you to Exterior Home Solutions for making this coverage possible. Tennessee, an exhibition win on the road at Michigan State preseason 89-88. And Rob Lewis, the story of the day was all those newcomers, the impact that Dalton Connect and Jordan Ganey had for Tennessee, who was shorthanded. Um, again, exhibition win, it doesn't count, but to get that experience on the road in front of fans against a great program, it was a slam, no pun intended. It was a slam dunk for Tennessee, especially with that win this past weekend. Yeah, I mean, I, if you're a Tennessee fan or a coach, or you know, I, I don't see how you you don't leave Sunday, you know, really excited about what you saw. I mean, you, you checked a lot of boxes. I mean, first off, you mentioned you're you're, you're playing without Zakai Ziegler and, and Santiago Vescovi. I, you know, arguably, you know, two guys that make Tennessee the, the best backcourt in the SEC, one of the best in the country. I mean, all all conference caliber players veteran you know a fifth-year senior a, a three-year starter in, in Zakai so I mean you're, you're missing some big pieces of the puzzle and, and you're going you know gets a top five team sold out crowd and and man I just I, I think you have to be wildly impressed with what you saw from Tennessee and also encouraged I mean all offseason the talk was you know Tennessee had to have had to add firepower in the transfer portal they signed two guys in the transfer portal that are big time you know, perimeter scores and boom, your first real look at them, you know, exhibition game, but still Michigan State on the road, that arena. I mean, the, the, they combined, Ganey and, and Connect combined for 48 points. I mean, Connect was fantastic, showed that he's a lot more than, than just a spot up three point shooter. And, and just Tennessee just answered the bell. And again, I just, I, I'm going to harp on it, but to do that without Santi, w without Zakai, that, that was, that was pretty big time. Rob, when you look at this team, the, the thing I like most about it, besides the depth, which is obvious, right, is 
now all of a sudden I feel like they can spread the floor with their spacing and, and actual shooters. I mean, connect can step out there and knock it down. Jordan Ganey, obviously. Santiago Vescovi. I mean, like you, you have just uh, – you can know – Tennessee's three-point shot across the board really becomes a real threat, um, you know, for, for this team. And, and the, the other thing I like is in previous years when you brought in some of those highly, you know, thought of freshmen – they have a little bit of pressure on them. This team is so deep. Freddie DeLeon can kind of just, you know, get into the pool at the at the shallow end, at the steps. He doesn't have to just dive in off the diving board into the deep end. And I think that's good for him because that means there's not as much pressure on a freshman who's uber talented. Well, I was going to ask, oh, he, uh, Rob, why did he only play 14 minutes? That, that was kind of the big question I had leaving the game. I mean, it was a great win. You know, rotation is so hard to predict that, especially with the, the Zakai and, and Santi not there. But – Dillion only played 14 minutes. I was kind of a surprise. I would say uh, one, one of the reasons he had three turnovers in, in those 14 minutes, and I, I would imagine his head coach took took that into account. And um, I was a little I was a little surprised too, especially when you look and you see Ganey played 34 minutes, Connect uh, played 34 minutes. I, I would have thought Freddie would have gotten you know would have been closer to 20, um, but I wouldn't. I, I just wouldn't read a whole lot into that i mean I, I would i would like i say i would imagine it had something to do with the three turnovers and, and probably something his coach saw from him on on, on the defensive end but uh i, I wanted to, to double back ap you're talking about tennis being able to spread the floor with, with shooters and and, and that's 100 true and we haven't even seen what it's going to look like yet with you know zakai out there penetrating. You know, yeah penetrating and, and you know, making people collapse and you know forcing forcing guys to make a decision on whether or not you know to leave and help I mean, I, I think it's got a chance to be, you know, really, really pretty nasty. Better than the dream team? I don't know about that. I'm going to stop a little short. Um, obviously, uh, again, no Zakai, no Sansi, but I think ball handling, uh, if, if there were any questions about Tennessee's ability to handle the ball and, and, and run the offense without their primary ball handlers, I mean, yesterday should should give you some encouragement, right? Yeah, I mean, they, they had turnovers were a real problem in the first yeah. half. They had 14 of them, but I, I, I would I, I thought that was more – just general sloppiness then you know hey we're really missing you know a point guard i mean ganey really struggled with it you know at times and that that shouldn't be entirely surprising um you know for a guy you know he's played against big time teams before but you know he's he's stepping up from usc upstate to playing you know on the road at michigan state it's going to be an adjustment you know he looked fine on the offensive end but i think the increased um, ball handle responsibilities. I, I think he's one guy that it, that it took a bit of a toll on. But Tennessee really cleaned that up in the second half. They only had six turnovers, and, and when you shoot fifty one percent from the floor, it's it's going to come. It's going to cover up a lot of a lot of warts. So you got a, a, another exhibition game coming up tonight, Lenore Ryan, and then the season opener is next weekend. What's kind of left on the docket? What do you want to see from Tennessee tonight? as uh, you continue to move forward to the regular season. I'd like, like to see Freddie play a little bit more, and I'm not making a big deal. About I, I don't think that's a huge deal. Just Tennessee's so deep on, on the perimeter, but he he's a real talent. So I, I want to see how he's going to get integrated. And I, I don't think we'll see it tonight, just because, out of an abundance of caution. I could be wrong. But just, you know, what's it going to look like when Zakai gets out there with this bunch? I mean, I, again, like AP said, they're going to be able to spread the floor. And when you get a guy like Zakai who can – you know, just create his own space, you know, off the dribble and, and break down defenses. I think it's got a chance to be, you know, something pretty fun to watch. 
So Tennessee basketball gearing up for the regular season, an exciting exhibition win that uh, you won in the last what, two seconds, I guess, at the charity stripe. So a lot to be excited and look forward to for Rick Barnes's club and Tennessee basketball. Before we say goodbye, heading out the door real quick, and, and I don't want to steal the thunder of the, the Ball with the Beast podcast here, but you look at the SEC, a couple of big-time matchups this weekend. Austin, your thoughts on Missouri, Georgia. Obviously, Tennessee fans are going to be paying attention to that one. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, uh, you know, again, if you're a Tennessee fan, you're obviously rooting for Missouri uh, because that opens the door back up for you to potentially, if you win the next two after this game, still go to Atlanta for the first time since, uh, you know, 2007. And so, you know, Tennessee fans, you know, rooting hard for the Tigers this weekend. We'll be rooting hard for Ole Miss next weekend um, when Ole Miss plays Georgia. But uh, either way, they need uh, Georgia to drop one. Then, of course, Tennessee would have to take care of business the rest of the way for that to happen. Um, you know, and then of course, you know, LSU, Alabama, uh, you know, that's another big one. And honestly, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit on the board on, on Monday, you know, Tennessee getting that six day option, you know, depending on how that LSU, Alabama game goes, could determine, you know, whether Tennessee's at three 30 or at seven 30 sec network. And so, um, you know, uh, all eyes, you know, and Knoxville will be on a few of those games this weekend. But the important thing to take away from Monday in that six-day option, your boy gets to go to the game. So we, we found that out. We're all good. Yeah. Don't worry, ball question reporters. Eric Kane will be at the game because uh, it's not going to be a noon game. I'll so, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's important. All right, the, the other one you mentioned, you mentioned uh, Alabama and LSU out the door here. Texas A&M and Ole Miss. Is A&M going to get its fourth loss? And with that fourth loss, what happens with Jimbo? I mean, the, the talk's going to get loud, Rob. Yeah, man, I just – it's so much money. So much money. Uh, but what's the difference between 74, it drops to 64. Like, you know what I mean? Or whatever the number is. Like, I mean, like, it. you're still paying it regardless. You just have to pay it, you know, right away. I just – I mean, I I like Ole Miss quite a bit in that game. Noon kickoff, I mean, I, I you think a lot of times that plays an advantage of, of the road team, but I think they can get the Grove cranking by 11 a.m. Central time. And be ready to go. I, I like Ole Miss in that game. I just the way Texas A&M struggles to score points. Um, but but as far as AP, you think legit in trouble? Uh, yeah, I think he's legit in trouble. I, I, one person I don't think's in trouble, but I'm telling you, I'm, I'm interested in this game is Jacksonville State. Rich Rod taking on Shane Beamer. Like this has got you know fantastic written all over it, and the meltdown epic. It yes. would be. It would be must-see TV. That press conference would be must-see TV if they were to lose that game. I was going to say, that is appointment listening. we got to find out the chain game. we got to find out the – you know, he's going to be at home, so you'd imagine the media room is going to be to his line. Media facilities will be up to, up to par. Think about it. If they were to lose this game, they would be eliminated from bowl possibilities the first four or five days of November. Yeah, that's wild. And a lot of people pick South Carolina to finish second in the East preseason. Shows you how much a lot of people know. Of course, we've all had our misses here and there as well. But that's a big one. 7-2 Jackson State, Jacksonville State. 15-point favorite as of right now, early in the week for South Carolina in that one. Uh, most important game on the schedule is Tennessee-UConn. Of course, that's the game we're going to be watching and then gearing up for Tennessee at Missouri the following weekend. Big thanks, as always, to our friends, Exterior Home Solutions, for making this coverage possible. If you have a need for Exterior Home Solutions, roofing, siding, windows, go ahead and contact them today. They've been local. They've been trusted since 1999. That phone number is 865-524-5888. You can visit them online as well 
at ExteriorHomeSolutions.com. For Brent Hubs, Rob Lewis, Austin Price, I'm Mary Kane. Appreciate you guys for being here, checking us out here on the VolQuest Podcast. You've been listening to the VolQuest Podcast every week here on VolQuest.